let's look at God's word together. Philippians, Philippians chapter one, Philippians chapter one, as we focus just for a few moments, verses 21 through 26. Paul was given this decision, this difficult decision. It wasn't because he really, um, well, that he, he, he was disappointed in either choice. Rather, he had two good choices. And he says, it's hard for me to decide between two good choices. I wish I had two good choices tonight, don't you? At least when it comes to football. I wish I had two good choices. But Paul says, I got two good choices and I'm just hard pressed. I, I'm in a bind. It's hard for me to decide what I really want to see and what really needs to happen. I want you to hear him. Now, again, he is there. He's in captivity in Rome. He's writing to the church at Philippi. And he says, let's look in verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on the fle- in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. So here's Paul. He's trying to decipher what God's will is for him in his life and really what God is going to accomplish. And he begins to look at the alternatives. He begins to look at this perspective of life and death itself. Now, he is in Rome, and I said he's under house arrest. He's not necessarily threatened with martyrdom, but he knows that could be an option. He knows he could lose his life. I mean, he is in a hostile type of environment. So he knows it could happen. And later on in his life, according to what we see in church history, we believe that he was martyred in this city. So he understands the danger. He understands the conflict. But this is the way he sees life and the way he sees death. It's summed up for us in that 21st verse. He says, to live as Christ, to die as gain. He said, when I look at my options, and these are the two options, to live or to die. He said, if I were to look at those options, I recognize that my life basically here is Christ. And if I am to die, then I am to experience gain. What wonderful choices, right? Alternatives. Either way, it's presented to us in a positive way. It's not that one is bad and one... He says, it's just... A perspective of looking at the two, life and death. So let's flesh this out just a moment. He says specifically to live is Christ. So he means my life here. Now he's talking about his earthly life, right? He's talking about his earthly life. He said, if I'm living here on this earth, that means that Christ is my purpose. Christ is my aim Christ is everything about who I am. It's about Christ. What could be bad about that? Now, earthly life we know is difficult. He's experiencing the difficulties. But he's saying even in the midst of the difficulties, Christ is is the one that is being magnified and glorified. It is about him. 
that singular purpose that Paul had to please and to glorify Christ. Let me ask, what is the goal of our lives? What is the purpose of each day? What is the purpose of our existence? What is our purpose? Let me say for you and I who are believers, we should find our purpose in a similar way as Paul. For us as believers, Christ is our purpose. Christ is the reason of our existence. Christ is who we are. Christ is what we do. It is all about Christ. Some of you look at me and you say, that's great for you as a preacher. That, that's awesome. You, Paul is a missionary. Great for him. Great for you as a preacher. Understand, I'm a teacher. I'm one of these individuals maybe that works on a computer. I'm an engineer. I'm, I, you know, li- there, there's more to life. There's more to my life than maybe you can see. I'm going to say to you, it doesn't matter your vocation. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your current relationships. Your goal and your purpose is to live for Christ Jesus. Your purpose is Christ himself. I was reading this week as I studied this passage. You know, it says too many of us talk about, you know, I'm a teacher or... You know, I'm, I'm a nurse or I'm a car salesman. Too many of us talk about those kinds of things instead of recognizing that we are supposed to be Christian teachers or Christ-centered teachers or Christ-centered engineers or Christ-centered nurses that somehow everything that we do is to point back to Him. You know, it's so easy to get lost in the theological language of Paul, that we forget that it should have a practical effect upon us daily. Why are we living? What are we doing? There's purpose for Christ. And there's a purpose in our earthly existence. You know, I'm going to talk about death in a moment, but I think there are moments that we look forward to eternity And we recognize that God has something prepared for us. But we forget that as we wait, he has a purpose for us here on this earth. I mean, it is important what we do now. It is important for our earthly existence, our ministry that we have now. Notice what Paul will say. Paul says in verse 22, But if I live on in in the flesh... Actually, I think a better translation would be something like, but since I'm going to live on the flesh, I think he has confidence at this point that he is going to be released. He says, this will mean fruit for my labor. In other words, if I'm going to continue to live on, and I think I'm going to, somehow God is going to give me fruit from my ministry. He is going to bless me in this opportunity that I have. I have a purpose And God is going to fulfill that in my life. Again, you and I have an earthly purpose. We do. How that needs to be communicated over and over again. Even this week. Even this week, I've heard some very difficult stories about people who felt like they lost their purpose. 
and they gave up. You look around us constantly. We see a people, we see a, we see an, a group of individuals that are purposeless. They're living lives of meaninglessness. That's what they at least think. But what is our message? Our message is, yes, you get saved and there's something great that's there. But until then, there's still a purpose for you now. God has a reason for your life. God has a reason for your existence. I believe that every day. That as long as there's breath in my body, there is a purpose God has for me. And I believe it for you. If if there's breath in your body, then God has an earthly purpose for you right now. He wants to do something in your midst. He wants to do something through you. That's what Paul's saying. Paul says, I'm not looking at this earthly life as just something to say, well, I just got to wait. And if I'm just good enough and great enough, somehow I'll get to that. I'll get to eternity. He said, no, I'm going to make it count now. I'm going to live for him now. I'm going to have that purpose and that plan. And that's the way we should see life as something that is very purposeful and meaningful. So to live is Christ. Look at the other option he has, to die. I believe here in particular, he is talking about possible martyrdom that is going to come, that he is possibly going to die. He says, if I die a martyr's death, that's going to be okay too. I'm going to gain. And in some sense, the kingdom itself will gain later on he describes it as being with christ which is far better so much for those folks that introduce this idea of soul sleep or maybe some other intermediary or intermediate period before we get into heaven folks he says to die is gain and to this idea of departing leads us into the very presence of of Christ. So I get to serve him here and fulfill my purpose. But if he calls me home, I've gained in that because now I am before the very presence of Christ in this real unbelievable way. I'm experiencing a manifestation of Christ Jesus in paradise itself. Hey, who could argue that that's a bad thing? Yes, we weep for those that we temporarily lose. We do, and that's fine. God never told us we wouldn't mourn. He just said we don't mourn like those who have no hope. For the one who is a believer, though, who dies, (laughs) God has fulfilled that purpose in their life already. They experience tremendous gain. This promise of heaven, this promise of something better, it's not just something that we have heard our preachers talk about through the years. I say this sometimes at funerals because I want people to hear this. It's not just some pie-in-the-sky stuff that we go around trying to comfort and help one another with. No. It is the reality of what Christ Jesus has prepared for us. You don't have to take a preacher's word for it. You don't have to take somebody else that's just trying to comfort you. You just know that the scripture teaches us that there is a place 
that is real, that is, that is paradise itself, that is set aside for the believer. And for those of us who have trusted him, believed in him, when God calls us to that time, when we make that transition, we're not, we're not walking through a wall. We're walking through a door. We're making a transition to the other side where there is something that is greater and better than we could ever imagine. So this is what Paul says. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Either way, that's the decision. So look, when you have these two good decisions, it's hard to make, it's hard to make up your mind, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of like having lemon ice box pie on this side and chocolate on this. When you got, either way, it's good. It's hard to make your mind up. And Paul says, you know, I've been praying about this. I've been thinking about it. I'm hard pressed. I'm in a bind here. I'm, I'm in a bind of what I need to do. But notice this Christ-centered decision. Verse 24, he says, Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident in this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. Listen to what he says. He says, I understand that my staying here right now, my purpose that God has for me as it relates to you, this is a greater advantage. This is a greater work right now that he's called me to than even this idea of seeing heaven's gain. He said, it is, it is more beneficial to you that I stay. It's more beneficial that I'm here to help you. Dr. Douglas Bain, when we went through this book some years ago, and we translated it, we talked about it. Dr. Douglas Bain made a statement. I, I remember him talking specifically about these verses. And he said, somehow Paul's pastoral responsibility overwhelmed his, his personal desire. In other words, it superseded. His pastoral responsibility superseded his personal desire. I had to stop and think about that. Because, I mean... Again, his desire was, hey, I'm, I'm just ready to go. I'm going to see Christ. I, I'm ready. I'm ready to depart. Literally, it means I'm ready to make a decisive break now. Let me just go ahead and go and be with him. He said, that, that's kind of my desire. That's really what I want. But when it comes down to it, it's not just about my personal desire. It's about the pastoral responsibility that I have. The pastoral responsibility to the church at Philippi. The responsibility to encourage. The responsibility to help them grow in their faith. You know, for us, we can have a whole lot of longings in our hearts and lives. And yes, there's a sense probably some of us long for something better than this place. There are days... I've shared with you before, there are days when I say, even so come Lord Jesus. I'm just ready. 
when I see the difficulties and the hurting and all the other things going on, I do, I do say. But I know, as I said earlier, that there is still a purpose. And I know that he has called us for this moment in this time so that we can help others grow in their faith. It's not just about my personal desire. And this really should apply across the board to all of us. Your personal desire and my personal desire should never supersede the responsibility we have to God and God's family. Never. Paul, he just says, God's got a reason for me being here and God wants me to help you grow. And thus, I'm good with that. I'm going to stay. I'm going to fulfill. If that's what God's called me to do, somehow it's going to be advantageous to you. And he says basically here, it is going to cause you to progress. You're going to see joy in your faith. Verse 26, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. In other words, your joy is going to overflow because God has this purpose and this plan. So I'm going to, I'm going to choose the latter. If that's what God wants to, I'm going to choose this moment where I can help and encourage you in your faith. Some years ago, some years ago, my aunt passed away, my Aunt Barbara. My Aunt Barbara and my Uncle Albert were kind of like second parents to us. They never had children of their own. We were kind of their children. And yes, my Aunt Barbara could jerk me up in a heartbeat and remind me that I was just like her son, and she could tell me what she wanted to tell me. She could tell me very forcefully at times. She had that spirit about her. I don't know what there was about her and my mother. They kind of had that kindred spirit. I guess they were sisters or something, but I was coming back from Picayune. I'd been over to do a service over there, and I was driving back, and my sister called and said that my Aunt Barbara had passed away suddenly. It was tough for us and, and my family in particular. It was very tough for my little granny. I shared, uh, I guess, Dale last Sunday when, uh, when we were here with Miss Patsy that there are a lot of losses in life, and I don't mean to minimize any loss that you've ever had or that we've had. But I'm going to tell you, I don't know if there's any loss like losing a child. I've walked with families through it. It's unbelievable. My little granny, she was in her 80s. My little granny was one of the most faithful believers I've ever seen in my life. I've shared with you before, I would come home from school and uh, I would <clears throat> go into her house, I would have a snack, and she would help me with my studies. She did that all the way through high school. I would walk around the living room calling out the names of stuff and she would, she would help me with the questions, descriptions. She, um, she was kind of my rock in life. So when my Aunt Barbara passed away, her daughter, it was very tough. And I saw my granny. Yes, she still remained faithful. 
Look, there was some channel. I don't know if y'all got channels like this around here. It's not on my direct TV anyway. But where they have the local preaching and singing. Y'all ever seen any of that? North Mississippi, we called it TV 53. When you walked in her room or her living room, well, you didn't even have to walk in the living room. You could hear it out the door when you were getting there. You thought to yourself, oh, my goodness. She studied. She she tried to cling to God. I have notebooks in my office where she just wrote her own little commentaries on biblical books. She still did that. She was broken. I remember going up once, <clears throat> sitting with my granny, and she looked at me and she said, Reggie, I'm, I'm ready to go home. I don't want this anymore. I never heard my little granny be disappointed before like that. So I'd encourage her and I would, you know, she had been always the one to encourage me, but I'd encourage her. She said, nope, I'm just... Why, why will God not call me home? Why will God not just call me home? And she had this longing in her heart. She was just ready. And I didn't know much what to say. What do you say into the life of the person that's really inspired you in life? Inspired your faith? But I worked through it. You know, and I looked at her. And now I've looked at several folks since. And I could name different people that had gone through different physical illnesses, deacons that I've had, who've looked at me and said, why would God not just take me home? And I say to them, I say to them still, you know, it is a wonderful blessing to know that there is something that is prepared for those of us who love Him. It is wonderful to know that we have confidence and faith that there is something better. But as long as God has given you breath, there's a reason. There's a purpose. There's a plan. It's hard for us to see it sometimes. It's hard for us to experience it. But friends, to live is Christ. There's breath in your body. Larry Jones, a dear friend of mine, deacon at Zachary, was suffering with a debilitating disease. He lay on his bed. He asked me that question. Why will God not take me home? And I said, Larry, God's still got a purpose for you, obviously. He said, how can I do anything? I've not done anything. I can't do anything physically. I remember looking at Larry and saying, hey, Larry, can you pray? He said, I think so. I said, let's just task you this. Won't you just start praying for me and praying for the church and praying for others? Because as long as God's given you that breath, there's purpose. There's purpose. I believe that. I believe whatever our age, I believe whatever our background, whatever we're going through, to live is still, it can be for Christ. And yes, I do believe to die for the believer is gain. Either way. But what should we choose when we find these situations? Well, instead of our personal privilege or personal desire sometimes, it is the responsibility that we have to others. 
responsibility that God would call us to. To minister and to work for the kingdom. Paul said, I'm not finished. God wants me to do something. And you know what? I'm going to be released. I, I'm, I know that he is confident he is going to be released. And he said, you're going to get some joy out of it. You're going to be rejoicing. And that's going to be a grand thing when the people of God rejoice. Tonight, I don't know who you're rooting for in the Super Bowl, but let me say this. The decision we have before our Lord, it's a win-win situation. If he leaves us here, we win because we have purpose. If he calls us home, we win because there's gain. Either way, whatever place we find ourselves, friends, we are in a win-win situation because our victory is in Jesus Christ. It is sealed. We don't have to worry about the game being played. The battle has already been won. And we're looking forward to that day when he consummates it, fulfills his ultimate purpose, and calls us all who are believers home. May we live for him. May we die for him. May that be our prayer. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we pray that tonight for people, maybe some of us here in this place, who feel desperate, who feel lonely, who feel like their purpose has been removed, God, I pray that you would remind them that you have a plan, that you have meaning for them. And Father, may they find their purpose, may they find this life, may they find it in your Son, the Lord Jesus. And God, when we leave this place, may we leave here in Christ. When we go to bed tonight, may we go to bed in Christ. Tomorrow when we go out to do our work, may we go in Christ. May everything that we do somehow glorify you. And Father, give us each day, Lord, the will to serve others and to, Lord, be responsible to other believers in Christ so that we might encourage them in their walk. Father, use us this week to live for you in such a way that will bring joy to their hearts and lives. Lord, we praise you for the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?